0: come to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. named the Oprah of the Internet. By Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. Today, we have a very exciting uh, and um, I must say risque show, uh, we are delving into uh, uh, a subject matter that is fascinating uh, to, to many, and uh, I always want to bring the best of the best experts uh, in these uh, areas. And so I'm going to introduce you to... Uh, Dr. Yvonne Kristen Fulbright, Uh, she is originally from Iceland. We've got to talk about that because I didn't even know there were people in Iceland, uh, only ICE. Uh, She's an international sexologist, sex educator, author, relationship expert, uh, advice columnist, and television and radio personality who runs a powerful website called SexualitySource.com. She's also a contributor to uh, the Huffington Post. How are you, my dear?
1: Good. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, wonderful uh, that you uh, uh, took some time out to speak with me today. One of the things that I wanted to, to start out with uh, in talking about, I read in, in, in Huffington Post that uh, uh, that you wrote about book called sex work becoming no big deal. This is an old term that has kind of uh, become a new twist, it uh, seems like, as the economy has taken a dip. Um, uh, I think young people and older people have, chosen to uh, use the new technology in a, uh, a completely different way. Can you, can you talk about this a little bit?
1: Sure. Well, there was a University of Arkansas study that was put out that found that a number of U.S. women are actually going to work as far as high-quality illegal prostitution. And what was meant by that is that they were either going to the Internet and advertising themselves or joining high-end escort services.
0: That is amazing. So this is a, I guess, a new trend uh, that uh, basically you could do anonymously. Um, what do you think the moral implications, if any, uh, are, are exist?
1: Well, this definitely depends on who you ask. I mean, the research also indicated that a number of these women are educated. A number of them reported coming from a strong family background. You know, they weren't necessarily street kids or people from broken homes, but they were seeing this as a way to make money, provide more stability and autonomy. Um, at the same time, some of them are also saying, you know, I'm getting some job satisfaction out of this, which is actually reflective of similar studies that have been done in Australia, um, where sex work is handled much more differently and more legally um, than it is over here. So this all comes down to a person's uh, value system and moral system as far as if this is problematic or not. for me, I feel that if a person is doing it from a place of empowerment and doing it safely and uh, taking care of their sexual health and those of their clients first and foremost, um, then I would need to withhold any judgment I would have over those kind of interactions. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's none of my business if it's not doing any harm to anybody besides those, um, those two involved.
0: Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Now, uh, you also wrote a piece uh, called uh, Could You Be uh, the Problem with Porn? I thought that was a fascinating take uh, on uh, uh, those who uh, judge the porn industry and, and uh, 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 condemn it. Speak to us about that if you could.
1: Right. Well, there was a Utah State University study that was published, um, finding that the impact of pornography on an individual depends on the person. Uh, they had actually uh, surveyed 299 undergraduate students, asking if their porn consumption was problematic. You know, they weren't asking about other people. It was like, your porn consumption isn't a problem. Is it a problem to you? And they found that the more the respondent tried to repress. Their sexual thoughts and desires; the likelier they were to see their use of porn as problematic. Wow. Uh, researchers came away saying your problems with porn or almost anything really sexually speaking could be argued are manifested by your own personal values and views around erotica, intimacy, and sexual enjoyment. So what you judge as positive or negative or what you see as good or bad when it comes to sexual pleasuring is ultimately what influences a repression, a repression reaction uh, that can impact your ability to enjoy pornography or not.
0: Fascinating. Let's talk, let's get a little deeper into this because, you know, after the uh, uh, mega success of Fifty Shades of Grey, of course they're now, it's now being made into a movie. Uh, and if you've been under the rock and haven't heard of Fifty Shades of Grey, then you need to just kind of hang up the phone and get off the air and just go somewhere else because this thing has been internationally acclaimed. Uh, not that uh, sex hasn't been in books and movies before, uh, but there seems to be a, a kind of a Uh, I don't know, a resurgence or a new introduction to uh, the fetish world, uh, quote-unquote the kink world. Can you speak to us about that and why do you think uh, there has been such a surge uh, or or resurgence uh, in this?
1: Well, there are a number of reasons for it, but at the end of the day, one of the biggest ones is the titillation of the taboo factor. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about all things that are considered outside the quote-unquote norm of sexual behavior or that are considered more kink behaviors, and for the longest time, porn consumption was considered, uh, you know, a deviant, wrongful, um, but still titillating um, behavior, sexual behavior, a form of sexual pleasure. And the second, we as human beings assign something as taboo or Forbidden or wrong. Guess what's really exciting? And so, um, you know, it is that whole re- repression reaction that the Utah State University study was getting at that boosts our longing for something even more. So you've got your your porn user that's not going to have a problem, or somebody who's going to read Fifty Shades of Grey who's not going to have a problem with the uh, bondage, discipline, S and M type themes. That are are uh, still considered so taboo in society, and then you're going to have those people who are drawn to it not only just for curiosity's sake, but because they like that they're doing or reading about something, quote unquote, bad, and that. Mm-hmm. Makes- on than the actual behavior or, mm-hmm. or what they're reading or what they're seeing. Now, of course, Fifty Shades of Grey couldn't have come at a better time when it comes to sex publications. You know, There have been a number of a lot of novels out over the years, a number of sex manuals, but uh, never has the media and publishing industry been riper for that kind of publication because you've got more people, you know, uh, online doing things like blogging about these things, not making them seem like as big of a deal. Uh, definitely creating more interest around these sorts of storylines. There's just a lot more discourse, which is driving uh, the interest and the curiosity with very mixed reactions as far as if it's a really good read or not at the end of the
0: day. Right, right. Uh, Now, what it also has spawned, uh, I heard and read about uh, Amazon Kindle, uh, because uh, you can now kind of read these kinds of of books uh, or fiction uh, in the privacy of your own uh, 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 tablet or device, without having to expose the, uh, the cover, of the book cover to everybody uh, that uh, this new term called mommy porn, which is what is categorized as Fifty Shades of Grey, has just completely uh, gone buck wild. Uh, do you think the new technology has, has something to do with it as well?
1: Well, most definitely and along the same lines, just the brown bag or brown box idea of what can be bought or consumed through the mail and come to you in the privacy of your own home, whether it's through technology or through the postal service, and nobody knows what you're getting. I think you're still going to have individuals who would be worried that their name would be leaked somehow or that, you know, there'd be like a record of credit card transactions and they'd still get busted by somebody in that regard. (laughs) Um, People are feeling braver, uh, especially with the safety and numbers. I mean, when you've got mainstream programming like The Today Show doing a feature on Fifty Shades of Grey, that makes it feel more okay sure. than if it would even just be in Cosmo or another kind of more specialized uh, readership viewership uh, form of media.
0: Sure, sure. Now, so what is uh, the definition of, uh, I remember uh, watching a a great piece that Lisa Ling did on the OWN Network, um, uh, basically on kink, but uh, what is the term fetish? What does that mean, and where did it come from?
1: Well, actually, fetish, uh, the word is one of the most misunderstood um, words in sexual attraction when it comes to understanding sexual behaviors, with the foot fetish being a classic example of this. to, for somebody to have a foot fetish, for example, it's not an actual fetish, but it's a case of what's called partialism, with partialism being a situation where a person has exclusive attraction to a body part. But a fetish is a situation where a person has learned to attach sexual significance to an object or to a behavior, which is in large part not considered erotic in nature. So the most common fetishes tend to be objects like shoes, a lingerie, things made of rubber, or leather. Um, we can talk more about the fetish in particular if you'd like, but um, sure. it's really a misnomer of anything.
0: Uh, a misnomer? How? I mean, in in, in terms of uh, uh, well, obviously, I, I now I don't want to use the word fetish because it's actually misappropriated. Uh, you call it an, what's the, what's the term that you use? in impartialism? What is that?
1: As partialism is the situation uh, specifically where a person has exclusive attraction to a body part. But the word okay. fetish originally had nothing to do with sex, and it was actually derived from the Portuguese word "fetich." and I don't know if I'm saying it correctly because I don't speak Portuguese, but uh, old-world Portuguese explorers used that term to describe any religious artifact regarded by tribal cultures as having magical powers. And then it was in the 19th century that fetish Started to be used to describe something that sexually excites a person.
0: Okay, okay. So moving forward, how would we how would we categorize this this attraction to uh, uh, feet? Because most people say foot fetish, but foot impartialism doesn't sound as sexy. But
1: no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you know he has a foot impartialism. Uh, he's impartial to he- feet. Uh, so, so what, what would be an appropriate term, uh, in conversation to use about uh, this particular type of, of uh, uh, concept?
1: Well, I think so just honestly, the word attraction pretty much captures it or eroticism or even fascination because um, it's not even just the uh, foot as a possible sexual object, but it's the people like the touch of the foot or the odor of the foot. Um, you know, I've known of dominatrices where their client will come in, ask her to put on a pair of sneakers and go for a jog before um, getting busy because all he wants to do is smell her feet. That That's um, the most sexually enticing part, or smell the shoes, because um, that's the most sexually enticing part of the whole social-sexual interaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So... Is is uh, I'm just going to use it as a as a a a general term here in this interview for for uh, uh, time reasons. Uh, So, would foot fetish be considered uh, under the under the uh, BDSM category or the kink category? Where does that fit uh, in all of this new uh, resurgence of of uh, taboo sex?
1: Oh, so so where would a foot fetish fit into that whole picture? Yes. Well, um, quite honestly, I think it depends on who you ask because we don't know why people develop a fetish, um, how it develops, and it can be looked uh, at—you know—healthy, obsessive fascination or enthusiasm. I mean, you could equate it to somebody being really enthusiastic about collecting baseball cards, and that's a pastime that's considered really harmless. So, why should um, obsessing over feet be any weirder, kinkier? more clinical abnormal than somebody uh, fetishizing, if you want to say that, <laughs> over baseball cards and baseball players. So, um, you know, you could cast it as something sexual or you could see it as something more of a pastime or even just um, a natural part of human development for some people, um, this vexation on the feet, um, which honestly, at the end of the day, most of these fetishes are harmless. And, um, if anything, there's something that could be envied because you always have something there that turns you on, Mm -hmm. arousal, um, object or, or, um, behavior, so there's something to envy about it in that way, um, But I think because so many people feel judged for having this kind of attraction, no matter what it is, uh, it tends to get cast in the um, unusual or kink behavior category. Sure, sure. Um, And honestly, there's not enough research on these things to know how many people are into it or not. Uh, Though I would venture to guess that there are more people with some type of quote-unquote fetish than what we realize.
0: Um, is there a point where, quote-unquote, a fetish can become an obsession and it's not healthy? I mean, I've heard stories of of, of relationships being uh, completely eradicated because the person is so addicted to, uh, I guess, Internet porn or foot fetish or whatever that they can't control themselves. They end up losing their job And, I mean, it's almost like a drug addiction. Is, there, uh, is, is that something that is... is, is That's not normal?
1: Well, sure. There are cases where it can become problematic. And what you were getting at is when it becomes a compulsive behavior, you know, something that uh, they pursued kind of takes over uh, everything in their life and um, mm-hmm. there are of course very problematic situations where somebody would need to get some sort of therapy or counseling With the problem not necessarily being the sexual behavior or the attraction but other much larger issues at play and this is just a manifestation of what's going on with the individual
0: mm. well said doc well said
1: uh, development, current relationship um, but where I, you know when I work with people and try to give them education and reassurances, um, where I do get concerned is if um, a person's reliant on object for sexual excitement, really satisfaction, and this is the only thing that they can get turned onto to the point that they're unable to cope in a healthy, intimate sexual relationship. And so... Um, You know, it's, of course, very problematic to not be able to reach sexual peaking, including orgasm, without the fetish, but an even bigger concern is, you know, how can you function sexually or function within a relationship without this fetish present or being acted out, and in a lot of those cases, you know, I'll need to refer somebody to a sex therapist or counselor so that Mm -hmm. they can retrain to find other things sexually enticing, including sometimes their own partner
0: mm fascinating fascinating so so uh, i was- wa- when i was watching this program with uh with Lisa lane uh it was interesting because uh the couple that uh i, I remember distinctly uh the, the, the female introduced uh kink into the relationship or fetishism into the relationship uh and uh he he had no clue about it and was absolutely amazed by it. Uh, what suggestions do you have for a uh, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, what have you, introducing? Uh, how would you go about introducing that to to your to your mate uh, if if your mate is uh, I guess the term is vanilla uh, that doesn't have a clue about uh, any of these of, of these uh, you know sexual taboos.
1: Sure. Well, it's much like handling introducing a fantasy, whether it's something you really just want to share, or something you want to have acted out as part of role play. And mm-hmm. this all comes down to your lover's own sex personality, as far as being quote unquote conservative or liberal. And I hate using those terms because there's a lot of other stuff that comes along with it. But um, mm-hmm. the term vanilla, which is often um, used to describe people who tend to maybe be held back a little bit more, or like you like things one way and no other way uh, in the bedroom and and so forth. So I would say, you know, kind of test the waters a little bit and one way to do this is to introduce more um, erotic materials into your sex life, whether that's finding erotica novels where the behavior may be featured or Mm -hmm. um, an erotica flick or porn video where that's one of the featured um, acts or or objects or whatever. But... um, It is that whole thing of safety in numbers, and if other people are doing it, then there might be some fun in doing it ourselves, and um, just seeing how the person reacts, of course, recognizing that sometimes it's multiple times of exposure that allows a person to then get comfortable with the idea before you kind of reveal that this is, you know, a pretty important thing or something you would like as well. Now, I would say that while these conversations are difficult to have and you want to proceed with caution, it's really important to have these conversations before you make any lifelong commitments. I think a lot of people make mm. it's not going to be a big deal later or, oh, it'll get sorted as we, you know, I need to fight the birth sex lives later or try new things later, and uh, that can really catch some lovers off guard and cause some major problems later. So just like anything else you need to discuss before marriage, like religious beliefs and how you handle money and you know you sure. talk at your sense of sexual adventure um, and what are deal-breakers for you. Uh,
0: well, this is absolutely fascinating. So I want to I get into how... Well, one, you're from Iceland, and I made a joke uh, in the beginning that I didn't know there were people in Iceland other than ICE. Uh, how did you get uh, so knowledgeable uh, and so involved uh, in the world of sex, and the psychology of sex?
1: Well, um yeah, I'm originally from Iceland. My dad's actually originally from North Carolina. And when he told my mother that he was marrying, or when he told his mother that he was marrying an Icelander, her reaction was, but Charles, aren't just Eskimos up there? So, <laughs> so people
0: have
1: all sorts of ideas about what, what goes on in Iceland. And I remember growing up and moving to the States where people had never heard of Iceland before, um, let alone, you know, what it's about when it comes to things like healthy sexuality and relationship. And, you know, Iceland has its own issues like, every other country in the world, but one thing I noticed as a 10-year-old and the first girl in my to hit puberty when I came over to the States was that my mother, my relatives, my countrymen in Iceland had a much better, healthier way of handling sexual development and being in a sexual relationship than I was picking up for my um, American peers and their parents and, you know countrymen, and so forth. So I recognized in just you know, fifth, sixth grade that work needed to be done here as far as um, accurate and healthy sexuality education goes uh, mm-hmm.
0: because
1: People have so many hang-ups over here that are so unnecessary and so easy to solve with just a little bit of information and skill building, you know, giving people the information and skills they need to then make their own decisions within their own value systems.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is your, what, uh, talk to us about uh, your, your website, how can people get in contact with you? What is that, Sexual Sexuality SexualitySource.com, uh, your website? Right.
1: Yeah, sexualitysource.com as well as sensualfusion.com. And it's actually sensualfusion.com that has articles, videos, podcasts, all of that kind of um, information more for a community at large. Sexualitysource kind of promotes my own projects like my um, books and um, consulting services and so forth. Okay. So yeah, either have to check if they'd like to find out more about me or more about... Um, my ideas, as far as healthy sexuality goes, healthy relationships.
0: Fantastic. So, ultimately, uh, what is your uh, take on this new surgence of taboo uh, sex or kink uh, or fetishism? Is it uh, it seemingly is is, is uh, quite healthy in the sense that it's opening up a dialogue? People are less, uh, uh, you know, crazy about it and, and look at it as, as, as bad. Uh, it is, uh, I think, you know, stopping people from going into an obsessive mode because some of the things that you deny yourself is the very thing that chases you and haunts you. What is, what is your take on, on, on all of this at the, at the end of this conversation?
1: Well, I'm with you on the fact that, you know, people should know about the options out there and then feel empowered to pursue them, you know, as long as they're um, consensual and hopefully mutually pleasurable. Um, I, at the same time, though, have been concerned and even alarmed sometimes at the way the media promotes some of these uh, behaviors or clinical trends even though some of them aren't trends um, with a lot of pressure being put on the individual that oh this is the thing to do or this is the way everybody's doing it and what I try to tell people is yeah you know that's some people's cup of tea but it doesn't have to be for everybody and don't feel like you're sexually inept or too vanilla or not liberal enough or whatever um, just because you're doing what you want to do within your own comfort system. I make mean, sure go enough, uh, go go, enough, uh, go ahead and test the boundaries on occasion. You know, maybe you can have some fun and, and surprise yourself at that. But um, you know, do what's right for you and your partner, and uh, don't worry about what the Joneses are doing. Mm-hmm. If, uh, mm-hmm. if you are doing everything, anything out there, then make sure you're just doing it from a place of empowerment and pleasure, and not because you're trying to impress other people or um, or really, are kind of uh, not in control of what you're doing.
0: Sure. Uh, last question, and that is, uh, if if you had um, uh, a daughter uh, and uh, she she decided that she wanted to, I don't know, launch a a, a, a foot fetish webcam or 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 website or what have you, uh, what would be your what would be your advice to her in position?
1: Well, uh, I do have a daughter, but she's only sixteen months old. So, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I didn't know that. <laughs> let's let's
0: let's move on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, <laughs> let's let's project her. Let's project her sixteen years, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years from now. Uh, and, and and ask that question seriously though. If, if you had a daughter who, who who you know, or you do have a daughter. If your daughter you know, grew up and said, "Hey mom, you know, uh, this is something that I'm looking at, I'm looking at and would like to to do," what would be your position on that?
1: Well, I would hope that the information and um, values that I would give her growing up would discourage her from getting to that point and I think it's very important for parents to realize that you give your child that sexual, you know, and gender messaging from day one whether or not you realize it. And I actually have an audio guide out called Who Better Than You? Educating Your Child About Love, Sex, and Relationships because I think it's very important for parents to have the information they need to raise a child within their sexual value system, you know, from the first day through 18 years old, and then hopefully they're going to be able to do things in accordance with your family's value system, as well as some things on their own. And mm-hmm. so this just something that my daughter was hell-bent on doing, you know, forgive my French, then I would try to give her the same respect that I would anybody else as far as, you know, making sure you're informed in the process, making sure you're protecting your privacy. um You know, for example, she could possibly get away with doing this, um, and nobody would ever know it was her because her face is never shown, her name is never used. And if she had a tattoo on her foot, that might be an identifying factor. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, you know, I would just really walk her through the pros and cons as well as the short-term and long-term consequences of this and helping her to really think things through uh, and and really what... um, why she would want to do something like this.
0: What would be those short and long-term consequences?
1: Well, the short-term could be financial gain. It could be, um, you know, pleasure. Uh, it's a lot of the same things uh, that come from people sexting each other. But then mm-hmm. there could be some um, long-term consequences like regretting what you did or those mm-hmm. things in other people's hands or, you know, a person not hiring you for another job because, these things have been all over Facebook or something like that
0: mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know even if a behavior isn't something shameful a lot of the consequences that come along with it can make it seem that way um, unfortunately so yeah.
0: well well said doc I, I appreciate that honesty and this has been fabulous I definitely want to have you back on the show uh and uh keep doing what you're doing. I think the work that you're doing is fantastic. You're really highly educating people uh, and uh, doing it from a really uh, a, a wonderful place in your heart. So I really appreciate what you do.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, chatting and we'll definitely have to do this again sometime.
0: Absolutely. All right. You take care, Doc. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.